I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lights. Camera. Action. Nothing personal word of the day is action. The NCAA is the National Collegiate Athletic Association, but for today only on Nothing Personal, we are going to call it the National Collegiate Action Association. I don't know why it's not NCSAA, the National Collegiate Student Athletic Association. We should actually change that, Coca. Let's send a letter to the NCAA and say that they should be called the NCSAA. But for today, it's action because there's so much action going on with NCAA. We're leading off nothing personal on August 5th, 190th episode, straight episode, not counting bonuses or Samson sit-downs. Wow. Okay. I want to break down what's happening. And we're going to go through it slowly because I want everyone to understand that the NCAA has some significant issues. We've outlined the issues they're having that if college fall sports are canceled, there is a huge monetary problem for all of these schools. We know players are frustrated. We know players want to get paid. We know players want to be safe. We know players who have the ability to turn pro are opting out more and more now out of college football. We know certain programs are starting to have workouts and then they've had to shut down and start up with COVID, et cetera. Today, the NCAA came out with a few new rules, a few regulations, a few concepts, and they did it on a day when they looked as disorganized as ever before. Let's start with the two announcements that happened almost simultaneously. One, the University of Connecticut, located in the state of Connecticut, one of the quote-unquote safest, healthiest, lowest positive rate states, the Huskies came out and said, no mas. They canceled their football season. They're a Division I team. They're an independent, but they are a full Division I team, and they're the first one. Now, the question is, do they become the first of many? Is this the beginning of the domino that I just saw on Tic Tac, where somehow people have time to build dominoes or cups or some sort of crazy contraptions where they send one ball down one chute, and all of a sudden it ends up 10 minutes later in a river by the van? or a van by the river. That would have been so much funnier if I had said van by the river after Chris Farley. So is this the first domino? Well, right after UConn said we're done, the Big Ten said, well, we'll see you're done and we'll raise you our entire schedule. They unveiled their full Big Ten schedule. And if that's not a perfect 
indicator of the insanity that is the NCSAA, then I don't know what is. So UConn cancels. Big 10 becomes final. NCAA meets today. I just call them NCAA. Old habits die hard. They meet and they say, all right, we need to figure out a couple of issues here. We've got the PAC 26 with players saying that they're not going to play unless all sports are funded and athletes are paid. They had all those demands that we've covered on nothing personal. We've got schools like Stanford canceling sports, eliminating sports. We've got schools with tremendous debt. We've got schools who are losing revenue and having to make very tough choices, potentially implicating the safety of their players and coaches which we're going to talk about later in this show. What happened in Colorado State with Coach Steve Udazio, Adazio, we're going to get to it later in the show. It's an outrage, a pathetic outrage. So the NCAA is trying to act as an organization. And so they came out with three very interesting rules. First, They are saying that all student athletes must now have the right to opt out citing COVID concerns. And if they do opt out, then the scholarship commitment must be honored. This is something that should have happened days, weeks, and months ago. There is a lot of tension, and we heard it in that taped phone call with the Washington State coach. The pressure on players They need that scholarship. It's critical. They cannot, no school can ever sustain a PR hit that a player wanted to opt out because of safety, got pressured into not, and then gets COVID, or someone in his family gets COVID and then gets sick. Can't happen. You cannot have a situation where a student athlete is pressured into playing when he doesn't want to for the sole reason that if not, he'll lose his scholarship and will not be able to attend classes because then you have sent out the complete wrong message. So finally, the NCAA said, okay, you can opt out and you'll keep your scholarship. Next, the NCAA decided to direct any school in Division One, Two, or Three you must have rules that will say that every one of those schools will cover COVID-19 related health costs relating to infections that local health officials believe were the result of student athlete sports participation. I want to break this down. It is the most insane thing I've ever read. So, Hear it again. Hear me now and see me later. A player gets COVID. Somehow, it's beyond comprehension to me, actually. In MLB, the, the Marlins and the Cardinals kept getting COVID. And MLB wanted to say it happened at the strip club. It happened at the casino. It happened getting milk. It happened getting coffee. It happened at a player's house. It happened in the lobby. It happened with no social distancing. Who's patient zero? Where is the outbreak monkey? Dustin Hoffman's looking for him. You can't prove where someone got COVID. It's impossible. 
But the NCAA is now saying that if a local health official, let's just pretend that someone tests positive in Oklahoma. Let's just pretend. I hope they don't, but say they do. The local officials in Oklahoma say, we believe that player X got COVID solely because of that player's participation in sports. The cost to treat that player is X. We are charging Oklahoma for X. It's unbelievable. I can't, when I read it, my first thought is I got one of the words wrong, that it was misprinted, that maybe there was a double negative that would be a positive or a triple negative that would then be a negative or a triple positive that then could be a positive after two would be just be a negative. But this is what they're actually saying. I want to see this happen in real life. Wait a minute. Cut that, Coca. Of course, he's not going to cut it. You know we don't cut anything on nothing personal. I don't want anyone to get COVID. So don't at me at David P. Sampson unless you want to ask a question. Don't follow me on Twitter for that unless you want to follow me for nothing personal. So I'm not wishing COVID on anyone, but I want to see how it's going to work when invariably it's going to happen. A student athlete during the course of a athletic season is going to test positive. Could it be false? Could it be true? We're going to get to that too. But let's pretend they test positive. I want to see how it's going to work. But they weren't done. The NCAA, in a final bit of hilarity, said they're establishing, wait for it, countdown from three. Three, two, one. It's a snitch line. Pan down. Pan down. We've got a snitch line. My microphone just broke, Coca. Are you telling me that the NCAA is establishing a phone number and an email in case you don't have a phone? I think it's NCSAA at snitch.edu backslash I think I saw something dot org forward slash com J-D-H-P-U-F-U-F. That's the email. Athletes, parents, or anybody can report alleged failures of following COVID protocols. The athletic is reporting this. It can't be. So the NCAA will take the information off the line. Where's Hassel? Chris Hassel of CBS did a very funny video on what the NBA snitch line is like. It turned out to be wrong because no one calls the damn thing. But maybe he can do part two on the NCAA snitch line. I'm at a frat party, John, and I see right now three players, and I just measured them. Don't ask me how, but I know how to measure men. And it looks like they're approximately 11 inches apart. Well, the NCAA will then call the school, and the school will have to take immediate action, which means I guess they have to go to the frat party, break it up, send the kids home. God, it feels like a movie like Animal House. Wait a minute. We have another call to the snitch line. That coach has his mask under his nose or doesn't have a mask on at all. 
And by the way, I just saw a football player tackle another player. That wasn't six feet. And then he spit and touched his face. I'm snitching. Can you imagine? The NCAA is trying. I give him credit. I don't think snitch lines work. I do not believe that there will ever, ever be proof that someone got COVID solely because of participating in sports. And we will see how many more players opt out. The NCAA is starting to act. But meanwhile, conferences are still doing things on their own, whether it's the Big Ten releasing the schedule or even the Pac-12 which I want to talk about because they did something fascinating in business. But I want to start with the Big Ten. So the Big Ten, as you know, is my favorite conference because I'm a Badger. I am an unapologetic Badger. Well, today on the Players' Tribune, the site operated, owned, but for sale, I think, by Mr. Jeter, has just released hashtag Big Ten United. If that sounds familiar, that's what the Pac-12 players did, which we talked about. The Big Ten has released a letter to the NCAA and the Big Ten Conference where the players are on record on behalf of over 1,000 Big Ten players, 23 different sports. They want to empower athletes to use their platforms for change. And they're doing this, and they were ready for it. They didn't write this just after the Big Ten released its schedule. The Big Ten had to have known this was happening, because if not, they're moronic. They release their schedule, and the players come out and say, we understand and appreciate that you released your plan, but we believe, the players say, that your proposal falls short. These are players taking a stand. These are players taking control of their health, their safety, their ability to make money, and their platform to try to effectuate change. Change that college athletes and pro athletes have tried for decades, scores of years, and sadly have not been successful. This could be the moment. The players in the Big Ten said they're deeply disappointed by the lack of leadership by the NCAA. We knew that. They are calling on the NCAA to devise a comprehensive plan to ensure the safety of the players. But I would tell the Big Ten leaders of Big Ten United, you know the NCAA isn't going to do that. They're claiming they have good faith dialogue, but they have a proposal. They want third party approved by players testing. They want penalties for noncompliance. They want mandatory reporting of any violations. They want an adherence to the WHO and CDC guideline for sporting events in compliance with all federal, state, and local regulations. They want minimum cleaning and sanitation protocols plus temperature checks for anyone entering the facility. Here's a hint to the Big Ten United people, and I mean this with love. Temperature checks don't do crap. It means nothing, but it's a bullet point. They want in-season testing three days a week. They want immediate quarantine for any positive tests. They want whistleblower protections for all personnel. 
They will not sign and they want banned all COVID-19 liability waivers. We've talked about these waivers. The PAC 28 said that they want representation to figure out these legal documents because they are legal. For whatever reason, and this is where I get bothered, part of their Big Ten United proposal, and you know what? I'm going to be critical and you're going to be upset with me, but I'm going to be okay with that. They want complimentary access to the Big Ten network for all athletes' family members. Come on. Are we talking about your safety or are we talking about getting a network distributed for free so your family can watch you play because you've already decided it's safe? When you are making demands of a conference and you are being as serious as you can be, don't do what the PAC 68 did. Don't let your message get completely obliterated by ancillary demands that are so unrealistic and unreasonable that someone like me will use his platform with these loyal listeners watching and listening. You lose credibility. I'm frustrated by that. The other issue they want is what all players are asking for now, and and I've mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again. I understand the ask, but it's not going to happen. They want coverage for all out-of-pocket medical expenses related to COVID-19, both short-term and long-term incurred by active college athletes. That is called an unlimited liability. There is no company. There is no university. There is no employer. There is nobody who will grant you any sort of provision. And if you get to me at David P. Sampson, if you have it, but unlimited future liability, short-term and long-term, covering your out-of-pocket medical expenses. It's just not going to happen. I was hoping what the Big Ten was going to do is that they were going to find a way to work with their players, given what happened in the PAC 74, that they would find a way when they released the schedule to acknowledge the fact that Rashad Bateman had already opted out, that Micah Parsons of Penn State had already opted out, two of the best players in the country. Acknowledge that some of their players were opting out. Acknowledge they wanted to go forward and play. Acknowledge that the players have certain demands and wishes for protocols and safety and done a united And I use that word purposefully, a united release of a schedule and of protocols and procedures that have been agreed upon with a representative group of players, the Big Ten and the NCSAA. Sadly, it did not happen. Now, the PAC-112 did something that they announced today. The NCAA didn't do this. The Big Ten did not. But you're going to see this. What's the first thing you all read about when MLB stops their spring training, when there's a work stoppage? One of the things you read in the business page is that the leagues had increased the debt capacity for its member teams. 
that debt, sort of like a PPP loan, except those loans were used to keep people employed. Increasing a team's debt capacity does not come with strings attached. You don't necessarily have to use it for payroll. You don't have to use it to, for your employees. You can use it for any reason. If it's better terms, meaning a lower interest rate than some of your existing debt, you can borrow from this increased league facility and pay off some other team debt. Picture when you move your debt from one credit card to another, one of them you pay 18%, one you move 10%, so you get rid of the 18% debt and you pay that off and you borrow money from the 10%. That's just math. But at the end of the day, this is not forgivable money. You've got to pay that back. So when you transfer your credit card debt, that's not as though the debt's done. The only way to get rid of your credit card debt, by the way, is to declare bankruptcy. And if you declare bankruptcy, it will impact your credit, your ability to ever buy a home, your ability to have any sort of financial flexibility. It certainly takes away current debt, but it is a painful process. But when teams borrow money with increased capacity from league-wide facilities, that money gets paid back eventually. Well, the PAC 275 as a conference, they are planning a loan program for their schools That will be like an escape hatch. It will be a lifeline for schools that have already acknowledged the fiscal damage, current status, and future uncertainty that all of them are feeling. The push and pull between the academic side of their school and the athletic side of their school. There will be $83 million available to each university. The rate will only be three points, 375, meaning 375 is the interest rate. It's a 10-year loan. Every university will take it because those are good terms. But it doesn't cure your financial situation. So Oregon State, they rely on football for 80% of their annual sports revenue, about 80 million. Colorado, as an example, took in 20 million alone from ticket sales. That number is going to disappear. Utah football generated $86 million last year. Washington State, I want to point out, already has debt of about 100 million. UCLA is going to lose around $40 million. It's been reported that Cal loses almost $15 million. The point is, these teams are in trouble. I understand what the Pac-5 wants to do and why they're doing it. But if the players in the Pac-69 believe that by definition, this new loan will mean that their demands are now going to be met, I've got bad news for you. They're not related in any way. This is to try to cover the shortfalls from the loss of revenue from having fans in the stands and the possibility of no college football this season where the University of Connecticut becomes the first domino to fall and not an outlier. We will see what happens today 
the National Collegiate Students Association. They took action. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Guess what? Guess what's next, Coca? I want to talk to Samson. You want to talk to Samson? You got it. Get in my DMs at David P. Samson on Instagram or Twitter, by the way. Thank you for downloading and subscribing. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I know you're watching on YouTube uh, if you're watching, but subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button. It doesn't cost anything. It's nothing personal with David Sampson. Please, it doesn't cost you to download or subscribe to the pod. Write a review. I hope you listened. I think you did. Many of you to the mailbag end of uh, month pod. We'll do another one. So write a review on Apple. I know I'm giving you a lot to do. I'm sorry. Take notes. Write a review. Ask a question. We'll do always that bonus episode. But this question was, I mean, it happens to be sort of coincidence that this was the question I wanted to discuss today. But given everything that's going on with the NCAA, this is perfect. Is it possible that Colorado State University coaches actually told players to not report COVID symptoms? Boy, you set that up on a tee for me. So you want to talk to Samson. Is it possible that CSU coaches actually told players to not report COVID symptoms? What are you talking about? Well, let's share. A story came out yesterday and people were on it. Apparently, Coach Steve Adazio and other coordinators have been pressuring the student athletes at CSU to not report their COVID symptoms because if you report them, you then have to go into a quarantine COVID protocol. Can this really be true? Is it really possible that a coach could be that stupid? So many players have come out and said it. So many sources that it required an immediate statement by the university, by the athletic director, by the coach. It's been the biggest CYA that I've seen in like a day. In a world that I live in, in sports and business and entertainment and politics, covering your ass is a skill that is required on a minute-by-minute basis. It's why you've got crisis PR people. It's why you've got other interns scouring social media and Twitter. It's why you've got people focused on anything that could become viral, any issues that could happen. Because in this day and age, CYA are the three most critical initials since LSD during the days of Woodstock. So what actually happened at CSU? What happened is that they were having these practices and for whatever reason, the players were uncomfortable because they felt as though there was such a push to practice 
and there was so little discussion about safety protocols. There was no social distancing. There was no protecting of the players when they weren't on the field. There was no leading by example by coaches. We've seen managers in MLB wearing their masks below their nose. Hopefully not any longer. We've seen other coaches pressuring their players to play and realizing that is not the right thing to do. But CSU got caught. But it's an issue. Please make no mistake. College and pro teams are going through the same thing, no matter what you read, no matter what the leagues tell you. If you think players don't feel pressured to play, either on the pro level or the college level, you're just wrong. Now, more and more players are opting out. But I would tell you that the players who are opting out on the collegiate level are those players who are going to go pro and don't want to take the risk because there's nothing they can do except get hurt or get sick and have that impact their earning ability in the draft. On the pro side, we've told you the players opting out are the ones who have the comfort of future money. Very few players without their future guaranteed have opted out, though some have. Coaches on contract need to win. If games are being played, they need to be ready. And they are manifesting that desire to be ready by cutting corners. And what was reported in CSU is that the corners were cut so far that even players who often are looking out to play because that's what they love and that's what they need to do, that even players said it's enough. It's not safe. They're seeing the rate of infection. They're seeing what can happen. Maybe you will be fine and be asymptomatic, but maybe you won't. How many Eduardo Rodriguez's will it take? Eduardo Rodriguez is the pitcher for the Red Sox who had COVID. He's now out for the season because of myocarditis. We've talked about it. I don't remember whether it was on Nothing Personal or HQ. Enlargement of the heart muscle. You don't know what the future and long-term impact is, which is why teams will not agree to cover the out-of-pocket medical expenses. We don't know. How many times are we going to have to tell people in this country, you don't want to wear a mask? You are putting yourself in a position to hurt yourself and others. You want to ignore COVID? You want to pretend it doesn't exist? Do it at your own peril, but you are endangering others. You want to endanger yourself? Do it. I Believe me, I am not the guy ever who says I want to mandate your behavior. I'm not the guy who says you have to believe what I believe, do what I do, think what I think, be who I am. I want you to be you. But if being you stops me from being my best me, then you're no longer allowed to be you. If I want to play football and I've decided that I'm willing to take the chance because that is what I love and I've got one year left and I'm not going to be pro or I've got two years left and I think I can be pro. I've got four years left and I may be pro, but I don't think I can be pro, but I want to be pro, but at least I can be on a team now. So for the rest of my career, I can say that I was a college football player and I can have that on the resume, maybe get a ring, wear the ring to a meeting, maybe be like Philip Seymour Hoffman 
in. Along came Polly. Hey, weren't you that guy on that movie a long time ago? Yes, I was. But if you being you means that you are going to be recklessly indifferent, then I'm changing the rules. And I don't need a snitch line. I don't need an additional line of credit. I don't need a guarantee about out-of-pocket medical expenses because I'm going to confront you. And I'm going to ask you, put your mask on over your nose. I'm going to ask you to not pressure my teammate who's coughing all over me. This happened at CSU. A teammate was coughing all over another teammate. Totally symptomatic of what? I don't know. I was laughing with someone the other day. I had a cough. And instead of coughing, I farted because I was so embarrassed to cough. It used to be the other way around, right? Like you would cough or make noises to cover up the fact that you were farting. Now that's totally accepted. Coughing means you have to like run out of the room, even if you're not positive, even if you're in a mask. And I feel like I'm coughing into my mask, but I don't want to cough in my mask because I'm getting my own germs, but I can't take my mask off. The elbow's not enough. What do you do? So I just clench and squeeze and do the best I can. So a player is coughing. The coach notices, doesn't do a thing. Meanwhile, the player, all of a sudden, no word at all, isn't at practice the next day. Hmm. Let me think about that. It seems a little late. That's why you need testing for crying out loud. So if you're asking me whether I think CSU coaches actually told players to not report COVID symptoms, you're damn right I do. It's got to stop. And it will stop. Okay. I want to talk for a minute before I get to the review, before we go to break. I got to cover this topic because it's, it's, it's a tough one, but it's an important one. There's something going on now. It started with Juan Soto with the Nationals where he tested positive before opening day and then he's been out, but he had tons of negatives after that and it turns out it may have been a false positive. The NFL reported that Matthew Stafford was going on the COVID reserve list. A few days later, it was reported that he's coming off the list, that he got a false positive. He released a statement saying that he wasn't sick. No one in his family was sick. They've all been tested. And what I found interesting is that the leagues are now thinking that they are going to change the rules and there is a chance that positive tests on asymptomatic players, those players may be still allowed to play. That is dangerous on so many levels. By the way, we all know this. This is a no-win situation for anybody because you only know a false positive is false after you've had six negatives. But if you're with me and you're taking your SAT logic exam, you would say to yourself, why does six negatives make the first positive false? Couldn't you be positive and then be at the end 
of your infection and then be negative and then negative and negative and negative. That doesn't mean that you never had it. It means that you don't have it any longer. This virus is so new that nobody knows. Rules are being made on the fly. They're being changed on the fly. Schedules are being made on the fly and changed on the fly. Why does football, why did baseball, why do they want to deal with false positives this way? Come on, nothing personal fans. What's the reason? Of course, it's money. They can't afford to stop games. They can't afford to not play. Having these players sit out, imagine if Matthew Stafford, this happened during the season. He misses a game because he has a false positive on game day, misses a game, has negatives the rest of the week. The Lions lose, and they miss the playoffs because of that. The money involved for the owner is significant. The potential money for the player is significant. The ability to perform and excel in the postseason. We will not be at the point this year in 2020 where the testing will be perfect. We likely will not have a vaccine prior to the end of the NFL season or MLB, however long that can go. So the issues that are existing now in real time are not going anywhere. They're going to evolve and it will require new rules, greater flexibility in the application of those rules. But one area that I believe leagues cannot go is to treat a false positive. Let me say it a better way. One area where I believe teams and leagues cannot go is to treat a positive as false only because there were subsequent negatives. That doesn't follow if I remember anything about my logic class. But it may be true. It may be true that Matthew Stafford never had COVID. It may be true that Juan Soto never had COVID. Are you sure? Are you super sure? Are you willing as a player to be on the field with someone who tested positive that day or two days earlier and then negative, negative, no quarantine, no nothing? What happens when they have to sneeze or cough? Are you freaking out? And I feel for Matthew Stafford. His wife actually went public today and did an entire Instagram post. And it's amazing what players have to do. It's amazing the role that wives are now playing and trying to be helpful, sometimes not helpful. You've seen with Drew Brees, there was a situation. It happens. In baseball, we've had wives create a lot of problems, girlfriends, all in a not a life and death way, just in terms of clubhouse politics. But Matthew's wife came out and said that the past four days have been a nightmare. For 24 hours, we believe my husband was positive for COVID. We were all tested the day, day after we were all negative, and Matthew was negative again, then again, and again, and again. Only after his second negative were we told about the possibility of being a false positive. She's upset with the way her family was treated since he was put on the COVID IR. She went public saying that even though we knew there was a false positive, 
She's upset because the school called and said the kids can't be back. She was approached in the grocery store saying that she was endangering others. Her kids were harassed and thrown off the playground. She was told to wait in her car. By the way, amazing how many people knew who she was. Told to wait in her car when getting food. She's very clear not to blame the people who took this action. She's blaming the NFL. She is saying that the NFL could have stopped this. Let's be clear about something. I understand why she's frustrated. I understand how people are reacting to those who have COVID. Let me ask you this. Whether you are a COVID truther, hoaxer, believer, whether you are in your house and not leaving, whatever your position is, let me just ask you this. If you know that someone is positive, do you care whether it was a false positive or a true positive? If they're in your apartment, if they're in your house, if they're on your field, if they're with your kids, I ask you, this is not the NFL's fault. Testing is not developed enough to take care of the positive tests, the negative tests, the false positives, the false negatives. We just don't know. So what is the moral? Bad stuff's going to happen. People are going to be forced not to play who could have played. People are going to play who shouldn't have been playing. By definition, these things are going to happen. Everybody breathe. When we come back, I got one more Bobby Dylan for you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. I wanted to get to this review today because I watched a two and a half hour back to back. We reviewed the Bob Dylan No Direction Home yesterday, three and a half hours. Today, I watched the two and a half hour Bob Dylan story called Rolling Thunder Review. Bob Dylan in the 70s did this unbelievable tour that I could only dream of having been a part of. He had all these amazing musicians, including Joan Baez, etc. And they literally went from venue to venue, like a traveling circus. And it was filmed. And Martin Scorsese directed this documentary about that tour, Bob Dylan, it was released, I think, in 2019. Bob Dylan's interviewed. While the tour was not well-received, the Rolling Thunder Review, while Bob Dylan himself characterized it as something that he doesn't remember at all, which, in my opinion, has nothing to do with how it was received, The movie itself is fascinating. When you can go behind the scenes of a tour like this with footage from the 70s, seeing Bob Dylan, seeing what it was like, listening to the music, listening to his young voice, 
listening to him as he figures out how this traveling roadshow will happen, how it happens. Bob Dylan himself is driving a tour bus. It's, it's, listen, either you love Bob Dylan or you don't, that's fine. But if you have a chance to watch these, and I know, I've asked you to give six hours of your life now to Bob Dylan. And that's without listening to any of his songs or listening to the soundtrack to Love the Coopers, which has two Bob Dylan songs. Can you imagine Bob, me telling you that you should know Bob Dylan because he's in the Love the Coopers soundtrack? Bob Dylan is rolling over in his home right now. Give me the six hours. Rolling Thunder Review. Don't be frustrated. And if you are older and we're down on the Rolling Thunder Review Tour, you're still going to love the documentary. Bob Dylan, like a rolling stone. Okay, I want to get to the nothing personal pick of the day because I want to compliment the Miami Marlins. For some reason, because I worked there for 18 years, 16 with the Marlins, two with the Expos. There are people who think that I'm bitter toward the Marlins and toward Derek Jeter. I'm not at all, literally, not in any way. I want the Marlins to be successful. There's still two or three people there from when I was there. One of them is the president of baseball operations. His name is Mike Hill. Mike Hill has had to do something that is almost impossible to do, rebuild an entire roster on the fly, 18 new players. I didn't think they had a chance but they did. My pick of the day yesterday was the Marlins losing to the Orioles. How could I pick the Orioles? Where were you, Coca? I can't pick the Orioles. I'm three and four. I'm getting back to 500 today. The Mets are playing. They're playing without Robinson Cano. He's hurt. They're playing without Orlando Cespedes. He's gone. They're playing without Noah Syndergaard. He's hurt. They're playing without Marcus Stroman. He's hurt. They're playing with Pete Alonso. He can't hit. They've got Rick Porcello going. And I must say it's Jonas Cespedes. I don't know why I said Orlando Cespedes. Thank you, Coca. Jonas Cespedes. They're going with Rick Porcello tonight. Remember the old Cy Young Award winner? Well, right now, he can't get anyone out. And he is going against Max Scherzer. Let me get back to 500. The nothing personal pick of the day is the Nationals with Scherzer over Rick Porcello and the Mets. When I think about what the Mets tried to do, they pieced together the back end of the rotation. They traded for Marcus Stroman. They let Jason Vargas go. Stroman got hurt. They thought with Steven Matz in it, they could combine him with Michael Waka and Rick Porcello, back up the greatest pitcher, one of the top three in baseball with Jacob DeGrom, and have themselves a team. Well, guess what? Sorry, Mets. That may have been good business, or maybe it was bad business. But from my standpoint, it's definitely nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.